Blog Talk Radio. you joining us. It's post time with Mike and Mike. I'm Mike Bozich, joined by Mike Carter, as always. And uh, looks like we're uh, a day early, of course, because of the Thanksgiving holiday, Mike. And uh, is the turkey in the oven? <laughs> yeah, I wish it was, buddy. Uh, uh, me and the missus are working uh, tomorrow, so we're, uh, we're we're very lucky to be blessed with some friends who uh, are going to allow us to have Thanksgiving with them. So I'm assuming their turkey is in the oven. All right, that sounds good. I know ours is, and I'm telling you, it's smelling so good right now. So if I have to, uh, if I, if I all of a sudden I don't uh, show up or respond to you, you know where I'm at, uh, <laughs> certainly. But uh, anyway, we've got a fantastic show on tap for you today, and it's certainly a jam-packed show here on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. We've got three-time uh, amateur driver of the year, Bob Criblin, the winner of the 2015 Gold Cup and the CKG Billings Amateur Driving Series. Just did that on Sunday at Harrow's Philadelphia, so he'll be joining us. As a matter of fact, Mike, it looks like he's on there now. He's screening him. Uh, CKG Billings Amateur Driver Steve Holdford, also the USTA uh, District 2. One of the USTA District 2 directors will be joining us uh, as well. He was in that same race, uh, the third-place finisher. And uh, he's uh, going to be joining us. Also, it's going to be our first ever Industry Insights segment with the uh, Race Secretary of Harris, Philadelphia. My good friend Joe Ogier will join us. And uh, towards uh, a little bit past the bottom of the hour, uh, we're going to have a chance to talk to Harris uh, Ratliff, the uh, track announcer, the fine track announcer of Northfield Park. The Courageous Lady is coming up at Northfield on Friday, and Mike Carter had a chance to sit down with theirs, and we'll play you that interview a little bit later on, Mr. Carter. Yeah, I'm actually going out to Northfield Park on Friday for the Courageous Lady. It's going to be a great time, and uh, I'll tell you what, Mike, uh, there's nothing, uh, if you've never been to Northfield Park, you need to go at least once. And, uh, I have a great time every time I go. I'm going to get to call the last couple of races, so it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, sounds good. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll take a short time out. When we come back, Bob Criblin will join us. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. We'll be back. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Post time with Mike and Mike on the air on this Wednesday night, not Thursday, Wednesday because of Thanksgiving holiday. Coming up, and uh, we've got Bob Criblin on the phone. Bob, we certainly appreciate you joining us uh, on this Wednesday night. Welcome into Mike and Mike. Hey, how you doing? 
Fantastic. Well, you know, listen, three-time amateur driver of the year. You take the cheese here, the uh, 2015 Gold Cup at Harris, Philadelphia. Why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about how that race unfolded in your eyes? Well, I thought I was going to have to come from behind. I left a little bit just to see uh, see what was going on, but uh, I knew Hannah would be on top. I knew that um, Bob Davis's horse had a lot of speed. He's a classy old horse that Eric Abitello trains and is owned by Dave Oppenberg, another driver. So he got the he got the front, and um, I had watched the previous amateur race, and I thought that they pulled a little early. So I had planned to wait till the backside with about. Um, I guess about a half a mile left, but Steve Olford pulled in front of me and left me pretty much with a choice to make, either sit sit back and maybe get locked in or pull, so um, that was my choice. I mean, previously, Hannah had made a break, so when I saw her made a bre- make a break, uh, right then and there, I said to myself, well, you're going to win this race. I was pretty, pretty uh, I felt bad for her, of course. Uh, it was uh, uncharacteristic of her to make a break because she's such a good horseman, but um, it was fortuitous for me. So once I saw her make a break, I had I positioned myself to either pull early or, you know, wait and see what happens. But uh, Steve left me no choice. When he pulled, I pulled behind him, and then he cleared. So I was a little concerned because we still had a long way way to go. But my horse is a classy, uh, classy animal. I mean, he was the main sire stake champion as a three-year-old. He was trained by Donnie Richards uh, to go long distances up in the main weather, and uh, I knew he could go a long way. So I was, I was, I was pretty confident. And Steve came back to me. His horse was real good, and he came back to me a little bit. And uh, when he started coming back, I said, "Well, this is all me." So I was pretty, I was pretty happy. I mean, he's he's a good horse. You know, he lives on hay and oats and lives outside 24/7. He's a happy horse, and when you got a happy animal, they try. So it really, uh, I didn't do too much. You know, it was all it was all horsepower. So now, Bob, uh, you guys all season long, you guys race over different racetracks, different uh, distances, like this mile and a quarter race uh, at Harris, Philadelphia. Tell, tell me, is there a lot of strategy that goes into different types of racetracks, such as like a half mile, five eighths, or a mile, or is it you know pretty much uh, dependent on the trip that you have? Well, I mean, post position is much more important, obviously, on a half mile. You want to have the inside. So if you have the inside on a half mile, you want to you want to have position, stay on top, hold your position. Uh, five eighths is is a little different, and then the metal lands, of course, or mile tracks is uh is a different style of racing as well. I mean, a lot of people move from the half mile to the mile and don't do as well and vice versa. So, uh there's a lot of strategy. Uh a lot more comes into play on the 5/8, I think, and the mile. A uh, half mile is really post position. You draw the inside, you go to the top, you try and uh wire the field or sit close up and, you know, have a chance. If you got the 8 pole on a half mile, obviously it's a lot it's a lot harder. So there there's there's always strategy, and then, of course, when the gate swings, you know you got to look over and see what's happening because <laughs> all kinds of things happening uh, in the in the race at Chester when uh, when Dave Yarrick made a break that opened up because that was a that was a real nice horse with a possibility of winning that race. Uh, he's a very very difficult horse to handle. So uh, when he made a break, I looked over, I saw that he, I knew it was between me and Han- me and Hannah at that point, or at least I thought so. I mean, there were a lot of other good horses in the race, but in my opinion, we were the two best horses. Hers, I felt, was a little bit uh, stronger than mine, having beaten me the week before. So for me, after doing this 20 years, I'm I'm strategizing, and then of course, when the when the gate swings open, you have to you have to sometimes change in mid-flight. So, Bob, uh, you know. Um, in the Billings, you, you face a lot of these uh, guys and gals time and time again. Do you have a feel uh, while the race is developing? Uh, do you have a feel for the tendencies of the other drivers driving against them so much? Well, I think that that's a big part of racing. I mean, I think that all the best drivers kind of know what the other guys want to do. I think that um, having watched as many races that I have and raced in as many as I have, I think I have an advantage. And I think I have a a pretty good feel of what most of the guys, especially in the amateur ranks, I mean, in the professional, you know, driving against the professionals as I do, it's very difficult to figure out what they're going to do because they're uh, they're instinctive 
In the amateurs, it's a little bit different because the guys, you know, have less less options. You know, they they usually go in with one particular strategy, and they don't they don't change. I mean, having you know, uh, the good fortune of driving as much as I have, and against the pros, I've learned that you have to change your strategy sometimes in midstream. So I do know some of the tendencies. Um, and as the guys get more experience, like you take Bob, Bob Heckoff, who's had a great year, he's become a more versatile driver. And, and as a result, he's won a lot more races. You know, it's not it's not strictly horsepower. Horsepower is probably 95%, but... In addition, there's there's strategy, and you have to uh, sometimes diversify. So, Bob, the horse you drove uh, current crisis, of course, uh, is your own. And uh, I was reading an article, well, the USDA article, as a matter of fact, that uh, you made a little bit of an equipment change on the horse. Talk about that. Well, I think that, you know, you have to know the individual tracks. I had experienced Chester in the past, and I found because of the surface that some of them slip a little bit, and I – I uh, conversed with Cat Manzi actually when he was still driving down in Chester, and he said, "Oh, you got to go with aluminums." And strictly out of that conversation, the last time I won with Current Crisis, I changed him. I, he normally races in all steel, and I changed to aluminum, and I did the same thing this time, and it worked. I mean, he was perfectly gated, and it fit the track. And you know, a lot of the trainers go to aluminums when they go to Harris. Uh, it's uh, it's a good track, but it requires a little bit more um, grip. So that was the that was the biggest change. I mean, he he got around the track great. So I was really happy about that uh, lucky lucky uh, equipment change. Now, Bob, do you guys in the Billings? Is there a lot of trash talk and camaraderie going on, or is it is it business? Uh, listen, we're all friends, and it's a it's a great community of people, and we are we're happy to race against each other. But when we when we get out there. It's super, super contentious. So there's, uh, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll kid people out there. You know, a lot of the guys are, you know, I mean, for me, it's racing horses is one of the most relaxing things I do. I'm very comfortable, especially if I'm driving my own horse. Um, the rest of the guys, you know, you can see they're a little bit more tense, so I'll kid them when I'm out there. But uh, in general, it's, it's very, very competitive. There's no holes in uh, in amateur racing, so don't don't even think about it. You know, if, if a guy's inside you and he's leaving, you're not getting you're not getting by him in general. So, now Bob, is uh, there a? I'm sorry. Uh, is there that's a okay. favorite? Uh, is there a favorite track? You guys race in a bunch of different tracks all year long. Is there a favorite track that you really truly enjoy going to? Oh, there's no question. The Meadowlands is my uh, is my number one track. I mean, that's where I learned. Uh, you know, learn the business. I, you know, I was in the barn with Jim Doherty and, um, you know, Ray Remen was out there and, you know, I learned to train out there. So I know where, I mean, they've, they've changed the track in terms of, um, you know, switching around where the, where the start is, but basically it's the same track. And that's where I spent every morning for, you know, 10 years. So that's, you know, I'm most comfortable there. And I think I have an advantage. I think I probably have won more races out at the Meadowlands than uh, than any amateur has at this point. So, I mean, I've won races at other tracks, but the Meadowlands is my favorite. And I think most of the drivers, I mean, that's that's the uh, quintessential harness track in everybody's mind, you know, and, and probably in the, in the world. You know, the Meadowlands is number one. So that's where, you know, for me it was my home track, so that's really my favorite track. I love Yonkers. I love Freehold. I love Poconos. You know, I love them all, Chester. But, uh the Meadowlands is my favorite. Three-time amateur driver of the year, also the winner of the 2015 Gold Cup at Ares, Philadelphia, Bob Kriblin. Now, Bob, we just talked about trash talking. You might want to stay tuned in because we got Steve Oldford drafted right behind <laughs> you, and, and I'm going to make sure that he don't say anything. You know, he, you know, just going to make sure he don't say anything bad because I, I know you won the race, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on it. Listen, Bobby, we certainly appreciate you joining us here tonight. All right. Thanks very much. Take care. All right. Thanks. Bye. That was Bob Kriblin, uh, three-time amateur driver of the year uh, for the CKG Billings. Won the Gold Cup this year with a, a pretty nice horse, current crisis in the mile and quarter distance. And uh, we certainly appreciate him, join, uh, him joining us. Mike, you want to take a time out? And when we come back, we'll uh, have Steve Oldford on. Yeah, Steve Oldford's coming up next. This is Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. Give your horse the winning touch with MagnaWave. 
Pulsed Electromagnetic Field Therapy. It relieves pain, improves movement, stimulates acupuncture points, reduces inflammation. Get immediate results. Call the Essential Touch LLC Certified MagnaWave Practitioner. 302-922-0917. Get the winning touch. Post time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable. And if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. free. That's right, one week free. free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Also on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. Back on post time with Mike and Mike, and uh, right now we're going to bring Steve Oldfoot in on the program, and he uh, won the CKG Billings Championship 2007, 2008, 2010. And Steve, if I get this wrong, let, let me know. Um, and yeah. uh, he won he won the Gold Cup back in 2010. Does that does that sound right? Did I miss anything? It is, yeah. I've I won the Point uh, Billings Point Championship, I think, for the last five years up until this year when uh, when uh, Hannah. Hannah Miller uh, stepped into the spotlight doing a wonderful job and, and putting forth, you know, an incredible amount of effort. And, and she won the point championship in three out of the five uh, uh, series that we race in throughout the year. And you're a USTA director uh, from District 2. How's that going? It is. Uh, you know, District 2 is a tough spot right now. Uh, the, the the folks in Illinois are, are battling it out just like we are in Michigan and and Mike you know you know very well what we're up against uh, where some of the tracks would prefer to close and become uh, OTBs rather than uh, racing horses right now so so Illinois and Michigan are, are are really in a big struggle right now in Indiana which is part of 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 that uh, particular region um, is is doing uh, far better both on the on the government and legislative side. And uh, and also on on the track side, where the track is incredibly supportive of racing, and and they've got a wonderful colt program, um, and you can see that in their yearling prices and 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 the breeding farms that are moving to Indiana. Well, Steve, let's talk a little bit about the race. Now we just had Bob Criblin on, and he was successful with his horse. Current crisis going a a pretty long journey he was uh, parked out quite a bit in that mile and a quarter, but you made a brush just shy of three quarters there, and you were able to take the lead with the old Michigan horse Maglio. It used to be Kelly Goodwin's horse, right? That's correct. Actually, Cy Shaver owned the horse, and and we had the opportunity to purchase that horse uh, a, a couple years ago. You know, from from uh, Cy and and uh, it, you know he's been a good horse, kind of uh, on and off. He's a tie-up horse. We we thought we had him right. Um, you know, we caught a couple breaks in the race, uh, literally with uh, Hannah making a break. You know, and uh, it, as uh, Bob pointed out, uh, Dave Yarick made a break, which I thought was going to be one of the better horses in there. And and uh, honestly, coming around the last turn. You know, we were getting a little soft. Uh, he was coming off the bit a little bit, and, and I knew Bob would be coming. I knew he was hanging out there. I knew he'd be following me. And, you know, sure enough, uh, uh, we, we tired in that last quarter mile. If the race would have been a mile, we had it. But uh, uh, the, the, the Billings Gold Cup races a mile and a quarter. It's a great tradition. It's a great race. I love two times around the track, four turns, and, uh, and, and we weren't able to get up and get the job done this year. Well, you think that uh, mile and a quarter made the difference with uh, with Maglio? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, he does tire a little bit at the end, and and uh, uh, Al Cisco, my trainer, has just been doing a, a, a huge amount of work to try to bring him up to speed. You know, we did not have the horsepower we've had in the in the last few years. Uh, my great warhorse uh, Celtic Merchant is just coming back now in Florida. Uh, uh, he, he won me the Gold Cup a few years ago, and and I've got another horse, Bold Strike, that that has done real real well this year. And we weren't able to get him out to the east and and settled in, so uh, we chose Maglio. And uh, I mean, the horse was good. Like I say, I think we would have been fine uh, going a mile. I, I support the mile and a quarter. Uh, race. I like four turns, and uh, it's all about managing that. And and I thought we had a great trip. Now we got Steve Olford on uh, joining us, the USTA director of uh, 
District 2. And uh, Steve, I asked Bob Kriblin this, and I'm going to ask you the same. You go to different type of racetracks all year long, from half mile to five-eighths. Uh, I think I called a couple of the races here at Buffalo. Uh, what is the strategy when going to so many different racetracks to drive? You know, you're not like Yannick Jingra driving at the Meadowlands all the time. Uh, you guys are consistently moving. How does that affect the way you drive? Uh, I, I think it does. It, it really does have an impact on it. I drove this last year, this last season, at 22 different racetracks. And, and you know, the surfaces are different. And as Bob pointed out, you know, when you're on a half-mile track, the, the, the post position becomes so important. And, uh, and, and and the Billings guys are known a little bit for running and gunning and, and trying to get post position, uh, whether, you're, whether you're on a mile track, five-eighths, or, or a half. And and uh, so you, you have to play that into strategy with the horse itself as, as to where you want to place yourself. You know, up, up in uh, Buffalo, the track's pretty flat. The post position becomes incredibly important. And, and you know, I, I, I raced up there this year. I had a winner, and, and you know, I, I sent him right to the front. The guy said, hang on, uh, he's, you're not going to make it. And, and I thought if I didn't make it, I'm not going to win. And I made the front, and I won the race, you know. So that was the strategy. <laughs> And I'll ask, Definitely. and like like Mike Carter did, I'll ask you the same question, Steve, that I asked Bob, because it's good to get different perspectives. Do you, after driving against these guys and gals uh, time in and time out, do you have a feel uh, for some of their tendencies on what they might do during a race? Yeah, you do. You know, and, and what I kind of pay attention to is how they drive their own horses. And uh, uh, every, everybody does develop their own style. And, you know, as Bob Kriblin uh, was just talking about, and, he, and he's a great driver, and, and he's been around a lot, lot longer than I have uh, racing on the circuit. But, you know, for the most part, his, his horses kind of race from behind. They're, they're not front runners, and he's very, very patient. And uh, so, as I said, you know, in the, the race in Philadelphia, I, I was just sitting, I, I knew it was going to be him. I knew he was going to come at me. I didn't have to turn around and look. And, and so that, that's, you know, that, that's his style. You know, some of the other guys, uh, they're always trying to put their uh, horse in, out in front, and, and regardless of, of who that particular horse is. So in those particular cases, I just let him go, you know. And, the, and, and once Hannah made the break, for example, in the Philadelphia race, I, I mean, I, I thought those guys were going to start tapping the brakes, and they did. So it was my turn to brush to the front. And as John Campbell would say, you know, I, I came around the last turn. I mean, I was in the lead. I put that horse in position to win, and, and it becomes uh, important, you know, that the horse has got to bear down at that point. He He's got the responsibility to get me to the wire at that point. And this, and that, in that particular race, uh, he, he just he, he couldn't get that part of it done. And that's the thing. And even as a handicapper, uh, you know, you can strategize the race. You can handicap the race. You know, you could uh, try to envision how the race is going to go. But how many times, actually, Steve, when the wings close, how many times – uh, does it actually come the way you think about it? I mean, usually it's 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 almost all out the window, and you have to make adjustments on the fly. It really does, and and just like the uh, again using the Philadelphia race as an example, you know, I thought Hannah had the best horse in the race. You know, she was two up in front of me, and, and I thought she was tipping out to go, and she was actually, but her horse got a little excited. I was ready to go. My horse was ready to go. So my strategy was where Hannah went, I wanted to go with her. And and uh, so, you know, when, when she made a break, it was still time to go, and, and, and that's what I did. So you, you, you literally, you never know what's going to happen out there, and, and, uh, and everybody wants to win, and as Bob pointed out, you know, we, we get out there, uh, We th this group, I mean, this Billings group is an incredible, incredible group of people. And, you know, we're, we're I mean, I'll give you an example. We, we went to Toronto, and, uh, and and we raced at Flamborough and then back at Woodbine the next night. And during the day, while we were waiting for Woodbine, where did we go? To the go-karts, you know. And we had eight of us out there just beating the daylights out of each other in these go-karts. And and, and then I wish I would been, I wish listen I wish I would have been there to wager on that one that might that must have been a sight to see. <laughs> did anybody did every did, did anybody park anybody out or did, you guys weren't given holes in that those particular races I'll tell you. There was no holes, a lot of crashes, a lot of spins. You know, I mean, I'm coming around for the first heat, and and uh, you know, Mike Mitchell's right behind me, and he spins me right right as we're coming around for the last lap, and I mean that's just. That's it. And, and we go and laugh about it. And it's the same thing on the racetrack. 
fiercely competitive. And 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 Mike Buss, as you remember, at Hazel Park. I mean, we were the best bet race of the night, racing amateurs, and those guys loved us. And we'd go up to the to the bar afterwards, and they'd buy us a beer and 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 just say, "My goodness, you know, we bet the drivers. They didn't really care about the horses because the drivers are out there to win, and and we're fiercely, fiercely competitive. But afterwards." We're all around the bar having a beer together and socializing, and, and it, it's a tremendous group. Now, Steve, uh, everybody has their favorite racetrack. Uh, you've been to 22 different ones this year. I'm sure you've been to a ton more other than that. What is your favorite racetrack to drive at? You know, uh, probably because of the success I had is the Red Mile. You know, they're, they're the, the the heritage that's with it. I've been very very successful there. You know, it's a it's a big racetrack. You you have a lot of room. The the errors that the amateur drivers make, uh, it's it's very forgiving. For whatever reason, we're able to get uh, uh, as as again as Bob pointed out, shoeing's important for a particular track. That's a clay track. It, you know, coming from Michigan, uh, at most of the fair tracks that we raced at are clay. We're used to how to set them up to maximize themselves there. And I, and I've just done real real well there. And I love the track and the setting and the and 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 the people and and uh, so you know that that's 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 kind of my favorite track. Steve, you've also been overseas. You represented the USA in New Zealand, Italy. Talk about that experience a little bit. Oh, my goodness. I'm sitting here right now looking at the, the two wins that I had uh, a year ago this last summer in, in Finland. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's an incredible experience. They, they race more horses. You know, you're, you're out there with 12 to 14 horses, and uh, uh, you race a mile, uh, but, and the style is so different. And, and I studied up, you know, they, they race uh, uh, two abreast on a regular basis and, and not afraid to do that. And the outer flow generally carries the race. And, and, and the, we, we raced nine races. I was, I was successful and, and won two of them. And in both of them, I, I concentrated on being a part of that outer flow. And it's exactly how I did it. Very, very different style. Uh, you, you go down to New Zealand, and, and they, they race there. They race di- uh, greater distances. You know, we raced a mile and a half, a mile and three quarters, and it's almost. And, and you race on different surfaces. We race on a grass surface, and it's almost like you're having a cup of coffee with these guys out there. And then all of a sudden, uh, you, know, you come around this turn, and it's time to go. And then they just start up and 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 go. And, and very, very different. Very. And we race the other way around the track, what we call the wrong way. And uh, um, which which uh, I, I think would be very popular in the United States, especially places like Pompano. I think we could set that up, and you could put the finish line right in front of the grandstand, the new grandstand of Pompano, and and, and it would be great. The horses don't care; they 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 love their work, they love to race, and 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 uh, they get trained and ready to go in in whatever direction and whatever venue you, you set them up for. Now, Steve, how does one go about being an amateur driver? Like, say, for example, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, you know, I'd like to try this. What, how do I go about it? You know, probably the best way to go about it, and I'm I'm very very involved in the USTA, is, is to follow the USTA driving school. And and this year, um, it, it's if you go on the website, you can look at the dates. It's generally in the spring. It's in May. Um, and, and what happens is those that those people that want to become an amateur driver, a lot of them show up there. We've got about six of them right now that we're bringing along. If you really work hard, from the if if you have basically no experience, uh, you you can do it within a year. It takes a lot of effort, and and we help you and facilitate. Uh, setting you up with uh, mentors at, at tracks that are near your locations. And then we follow up after the school for those that are very interested to make sure that you're doing okay. Some people go buy horses. Some people tag on with a trainer. And uh, and, and, and we, we also encourage those people to, to, to find an amateur driver if they want to become an amateur driver to help mentor them. Um, we bring generally eight to ten amateur drivers to the USDA driving school for that very purpose, and they're assigned to each of the stables, and and they're out on the track with these people going around, finding out what their interest level is, and and seeing if we can help bring them all the way through the program so that they they can become drivers. And just for the record, I know my wife's listening to the show, Francine. It's not me. I'm not going to go out and try to be like an amateur driver or anything. I just wanted her to uh, know that because, uh, you know, she thinks it's a little dangerous, which it is. Absolutely. No question about it. Steve, listen, we really appreciate you joining us. Um, and uh, also the USTA uh, District uh, 2 Director and uh, CKG Billings Competitor. Steve, we really appreciate you joining us on the program and good luck in the future. 
Thank you very much. I was very happy to participate anytime. All right, fantastic. That was Steve Oldford. Uh, Steve, a multiple Billings Championship winner, the winner of the Gold Cup in 2010. And, uh, yeah, Mike, I mean, you know, they don't want me out there during a race. <laughs> you or me either. I'll tell you what, uh, I've jogged a horse before, and it's a lot of fun. But uh, I'll tell you what, I think going uh, 10 miles an hour is uh, about as fast as I want to go. No question. Well, I'll tell you what, Mike, when we come back, we'll have our first ever Industry Insights segment. We talked about you know, the amateur drivers on the racetrack, what it's like on the racetrack. And what we're going to do next is we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what it's like to be behind the scenes and actually put the, put the races together. And uh, we'll talk to Harris Philadelphia Race Secretary Joe Ozier. When we come back, you've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. Post Time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. free. That's right, one week free. free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Also, on Twitter at PT Mike and Mike One. It's time for another edition of Industry Insight on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Harness racing provides tens of thousands of jobs across the United States and Canada, and Industry Insight focuses on these various jobs and their functions in the horse racing industry. We had a chance to sit down with Harris Philadelphia Race Secretary Joe Osher. Thanks for having me. Uh, originally, I'm from Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, basically worked at Rockingham Park twenty-something uh, years. Uh, got into the horse business in '60s, '67 or so, uh, and moved on from there. Now, talk a little bit about what a race secretary actually does and what the job entails. I think probably the most important thing is knowing who your horses are that are going to race at your track. Uh, it's a lot easier when you have uh, uh, a barn area where you have a, a select group of horses that you know are going to be with you every week. Uh, when you have horses shipping in like we have here, uh, and we use the, the money winnings as a, as a criteria, uh, it makes it easier to put races together as far as uh, the race secretary and the assistant go. Now talk about a day in the life. Like As soon as you get here, you get to work early in the morning. Uh, what's the first part of your day like, and uh, how do you get things started? Early in the morning, what we do is we take phone calls with entries from the trainers. Uh, we also have a new system set up by the USTA where trainers can enter their own horses online. Uh, and until 9 o'clock, um, basically that's what we're working on and taking a peek at the horses that we do have in the box at that time. Uh, and then we start putting the races together based on money winnings and um, you know other criteria as far as uh, time and all that stuff goes. Now, Joe, this uh, this business has changed quite a bit uh, from a technological aspect. I mean, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, uh, you guys were dealing with something called uh, eligibility sheets, and, and now a lot of things are uh, basically done via computer. Yep. Years ago, uh, the trainer used to have his papers with him. Uh, they used to have, the, the uh, race secretaries would have to go through every paper, find out what horses fit what class. Uh, and it was very important for that trainer not to lose those papers because uh, you couldn't duplicate the, the lines. Uh, the new system that uh, we have now, eTrack, all we have to do is go online, pull up the entries that are entered in the box, and uh, eTrack just gives us everybody's, everybody's lines for every race that uh, they've run. Now, what thought process goes into the making uh, of conditions for a particular racetrack? Uh, pretty much like I said before, if, if you have a barn area, you want to be able to take care of the horses that are racing at your track because they, they, you want to be faithful to them. Uh, in our case here at Harris, uh, we we draw horses from four states, five states, uh, and we use the money system. So basically, it's it comes down to the money earnings and where the horses are going to be able to fit. And who are some of the people, Joe, that were influential to you and kind of taught you the ins and outs of the, the race office? Well, getting into the race office was kind of strange for me because uh, the general manager at Rockingham, uh, Ed Callahan, when we started uh, harness racing back in 2004, I think it was, uh, I asked him if I could get back involved with the with the office or some some form of uh, the racing, 
And he sent me to Kentucky for my judge's license. Uh, then when I got back, I ended up being the paddock judge, and I worked there. And then Rick Kane asked me if, uh, actually, he asked Mr. Callahan if uh, I could move into the race office and give him a hand. Uh, from then on, uh, I've been in the race office. Uh, I enjoy every minute of it. I think it's a great job. Uh, the people I've met in the business have all been fantastic. Uh, it's just a great place to be. All right, time uh, to give a shout-out to some of the people that uh, help you, some of your staff in the race office, except the guy that comes in and takes entries on Friday morning. Well, I'm not going to talk about him, okay? <laughs> but you're a big help anyway. Uh, my, I have a, an assistant, Mike Harant, who uh, is number one as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he handles basically most of the day-to-day stuff that we have to do. Uh, I, I would put him up against any race secretary or assistant race secretary out there. All right. Do you have uh, – what are some of your favorite harness racing moments throughout the years that you've seen? Well, the one that strikes me the most is when Niatros broke the 150 barrier. Uh, I used to walk around with that paper clip in my – you know, the clipping in the, from the paper. Uh, I used to walk around with that for years and years because I thought that was one of the biggest things ever. All right, Joe Osher, the uh, race secretary here at Harris, Philadelphia. Joe, we certainly appreciate you joining us today. Thank you very much for having me, Mike. That was your Industry Insight. We'll have more with Mike and Mike when we come back. Give your horse the winning touch with MagnaWave, pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. It relieves pain, improves movement, stimulates acupuncture points, reduces inflammation. Get immediate results. Call the Essential Touch LLC. Certified MagnaWave Practitioner, 302-922-0917. Get the winning touch. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Uh, sorry, just a little bit of a technical glitch there. And uh, we're back, uh, joined by Mike Bozich and, of course, Mike Carter here. And uh, Mike, I'll tell you what, I, you know, Niatros, Joe Ozier made a great comment about Niatros. And uh, I'll tell you what, he, for those of you who don't know, Niatros actually raced here at Buffalo Raceway. Yeah, he sure did. One of the greatest of all time. And it's amazing now because, you know, you get a little bit of the generation gap and, you know, you start talking about what horse is the greatest of all time and everything. But really the truth is, is everybody's got good arguments because you just can't put them all on a racetrack. And that's, you know, it's kind of a shame you can't put them all on a racetrack to see, uh, you know, which one would, would do good. But we certainly appreciate Joe do- uh, joining us there, Mike. Um, the uh race secretary at Harris, Philadelphia. That was our first ever industry insight segment. And uh, we'll have those periodically throughout our shows, maybe not every week, but you know, Mike, the truth is, is that there are a lot of jobs. I mean, the sport of harness racing across the country um, employs a lot of people. And what's great about it is it employs a lot of different types of positions. And I know Mike, you have a lot of people that come up and watch you call races. uh, And I do too. uh, When I was at Hazel park and here at Harris, Philadelphia, And, you know, you kind of give them the press box tour and they're just amazed about how many different uh, parts of this wheel there are. I mean, you have judges, you have chart writers, you have the photo finish and the teletimer and the track announcer. And then you have all the people, you know, downstairs that do a bunch of different things, the veterinarians and the paddock judges and the race secretaries and the assistant race secretaries, just so many moving parts to actually put on a race card. And that's what we plan to do with Industry Insight, Mike, is we kind of plan on, you know, telling those stories a little bit. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, the industry spotlight is, uh, we, our, our goal in this whole thing is we've got stories to tell from everybody, from grooms all the way up to CEOs and presidents, uh, from your four claimer horses to your stakes horses. We've got a story to tell about each and every one of them. And I'll tell you what, we, uh, we plan on telling that story here and, uh, we're going to use our industry spotlight to, uh, to tell those stories. That's right. And uh, speaking of stories, wiggle a jiggle at the horse just keeps going. And, uh, of course, won the uh, Hap Hansen uh, 
the uh, progress pace that was uh, the elimination will face pretty much the same field in the final coming up uh, Monday at Dover. As a matter of fact, next week on this program, we'll uh, once again get a visit from Ted Black. He'll be at Mon- he'll be at uh, uh, Dover uh, watching all the action of the finals. They're watching wiggle it, jiggle it. Uh, most likely a win, but you know you don't race it on paper, Mike. You race it on the racetrack, so you never know what could happen. But I uh, I was reading the final poll. Uh, the uh, final Hamiltonian Society Breeders' Cup poll for 2015 with no surprise had Wiggle It, Jiggle It on top um, with freaking Southland Frank uh, was third. And uh, I'll tell you, there's a horse that's going to be fun to watch this three-year-old campaign, 11 of 12 uh, as a two-year-old, and uh, he's going to be something special to watch. Mission Brief, who made it look very easy, Mike, at uh, Meadowlands this past weekend. Uh, She's certainly back. Pinkman was uh, number five, actually lost his spot on the poll. Another horse that lost his spot on the poll was Always Be Mickey, who went from six to seven. Pure Country, you know that name, overtook oh, yeah, Always Be Mickey. Be a Magician, Wild Honey, and uh, DeWan rounds out the uh, top ten. That was the final poll of 20,015. Hats off to Wiggle It, Jiggle It. Uh, we'll uh, obviously get a lot of accolades as the uh, – as the year comes down to a close. But one more thing about Wiggle It, Jiggle It, Mike, before we, and I know we've got to get to the Airs Ratliff interview, but one final thing uh, about Wiggle It, Jiggle It, and George Teague mentioned it on this program uh, last week, and this is what people are going to remember about this horse when you go down 10, 15 years down the road. This horse was able to maintain top peak form from January all the way until now. And how hard is that to do? I mean, every an everyday horse. I mean, how hard is that to do to keep a horse at his physical best all season long? So I think that's what people are going to remember about Wiggle It, Jiggle It. I mean, in all sense, Mike, at least this year, he's been an iron horse. Yeah, that's the truth. And I'll tell you what, how many times has he gone sub 150? And uh, I'll tell you what, he's definitely a monster horse. Got nothing left to prove. In my eyes, he's uh, he's horse of the year. So uh, coming up next uh, now, uh, we're going to talk with track announcer Ayers Ratliff at Northfield Park. Uh, coming up on Friday night is the $120,000 courageous, $120, courageous Lady Stakes for three-year-old Philly Pacers. And I'll tell you what, it's a loaded field. And Ayers Ratliff is on right now to discuss that race. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter joined by Mike Bozich and we're joined now live by Ayers Ratliff, the track announcer at Northfield Park. They have the $120,000 Courageous Lady Stakes for three-year-old Philly Pacers coming up uh, this weekend. Ayers, how are we doing this evening? Doing very well. How are you? Not too bad. Well, Ayers, you guys drew a very good field. Uh, but before we dive into the race itself, uh, tell us what's going on on Courageous Lady Night at Northfield Park. You know, we scheduled this race the day after Thanksgiving, which is obviously Black Friday. So we've kind of played on that, and we have what we call Black Friday prize drawings all evening long. And, you know, in addition to gift cards and cash, we've kind of went with the Black Friday theme with a lot of different electronics and TVs and things that we're going to be giving away to fans all all evening long as part of our, um, to highlight the promotions for the, for the Night of the Greatest Lady. Well, that's really good. As well. uh, all those giveaways uh, definitely sound like a good time, Ayers. Now, are there any guaranteed pools on Courageous Lady Night? You know, we typically do not have one on Fridays. However, we have added a $10,000 pick four, uh, which will start in race eight. The Courageous Lady is race 11, so it will conclude um, with the with the big race on Friday. Now, the Courageous Lady drew a field of eight. Now, uh, we had talked off the air. You guys had said you guys had a few more entries other than that. But uh, it looks like a very loaded field, and I'm seeing some local drivers in there as well. So that makes it even more fun for the local guys. Yeah, the way that the rules of the race are written is we are limited to eight. So, you know, although 14 horses entered, um, you know, obviously we would love to have parted nine or ten. However, the rules of the race, the way that, that they are, we are limited to eight. And so when you have more than your number of entries, you have to go by amount of money won. And that's how, you know, it doesn't go by date or anything for this particular race. And so, you know, unless you've earned, you know, in excess of $120,000, uh, you, didn't, you didn't make the cut. And so, you know, we've got a field of eight of really fantastic fillies. And, you know, for... 
for many years, this race has been one of the first Grand Circuit races in the entire United States, and we it's usually run, you know, early in the year. And however, moving it to the end of the year, we've definitely picked up one of the best fields that this race has probably ever had. Well, I'm looking at it now. I see Sasa Hanover is the two to one betting or well morning line favorite with uh, Yannick Jingrau aboard. There's Southwind Roulette and Triple V Hanover all drew the inside. Uh, Brian Brown has two horses in this field uh, in Somewhere Sweet and Triple V Hanover, and he's normally a pretty big uh, Ohio guy, isn't he? Well, he uh, he's stabled at the Delaware County Fairgrounds where that they hold the jug and um, and the jug hat and. Yeah, I think he does go to Florida for the winter, but he has not went yet. And um, but no, he is a um, you know he's a big deal here in Ohio and on the entire national scene. You know, in addition to him, Ron Burke has also entered too. And you know, it kind of is an unfortunate event for the people who drew five through eight that um, you know Brian Brown and Ron Burke have scored um, you know have secured one through four as far as um, they definitely had the luck when it came time to um, draw the post. Right, now I'm looking at the race now. Southwind Roulette showed speed in the qualifier uh, last time out, but looks to be one of the big speed horses uh, for trainer Ron Burke. Uh, is Northfield a big speed-favoring track, or is it more like a come-from-behind type of track, or does it really just kind of depend on the night? You know, I mean, obviously with any half-mile track, you have to have some type of position typically to be in striking distance to win. However, I you know I do think Northfield plays a lot differently than a lot of other half mile tracks with our big bank sweeping turns. Uh, you know we are dubbed the home the home the home the home of the flying turns. You know and if if things set up right, if you have the right horse and if you know if things can go your way, you can sweep from the back either off the gate or or at the end. And you know four half mile track, I think that our turns and our track is pretty forgiving. Um, is you know probably one of the fairest half mile tracks that you that you'll ever find. I think we uh, we seen that big sweeping move in the Cleveland Trotting Classic uh, when Jack Moisea came flying late to uh, to uh, take that big race that you guys had uh, just not long ago. Yes, we did, and you know that was back in July, and you know Dalon Magician won out of the seven hole. So you know to to say that you know you are you know out of the race when you draw the outside in a you know big race here is you know is not not a true statement because it has happened on you know more than one occasion. All right, Ayers. Well, we've talked about the race. We've talked about the guaranteed pools and everything going on on Courageous Lady Night. Who is your pick in this race? And uh, tell us a little bit why. You know, I tell you, going into the race and before the the, the draw, I kind of had my my heart and my mind set on perfect bags. However, Joanne. Looney King uh, has had the most horrific luck in bringing horses here to Northfield, and you know I, um, you know I mean I feel bad the way that she has drawn. She did bring Wakazashi Hanover uh, for the Carl Milstein Memorial this summer through the eight hole. She brought Perfect Bags with him, and uh, she had drawn the six hole that night in the Phillies and Mares Open, and at that point broke the track record um, in one fifty two and three. Uh, and the horse looked completely awesome. And, you know, in fact, the, the state's record for this race is 152-4. and four. So, you know, if she would have raced the craziest lady on that night, she would have, you know, not only broke the track record for a three-year-old Philly Pacer, but also broke the state's record for the craziest lady. Wow. However, she's run the eight-hole again. So, you know, she's come here twice. She ships all the way from Delaware, and she's come for two, for, for two eight-holes. And, I mean, I, you know, there's nothing you can do about the draw. Um, but, you know, I mean, once that I saw the draw come out, it kind of made me jump off her. And, you know, I mean, I just think, you know, I think you got to give a nod to, um, to um, Sassa Hanover. You know, she's, you know, she's proven over and over again that she can handle any size track. She's won, you know, at anywhere that they've ever put her. She's got, you know, 15 of 33 lifetime wins. Uh, it's a win on Friday does put her over a million dollars. She won the Jugettes. Um, you know, pays in the opening quarter 26 and 4, and just kept on trucking from there going 151-1. And, you know, I mean, that kind of a mile, I think, does win this race. Now, look, I mean, how, you know, go ahead. Sorry. How it's going to set up to be really important, too. Um, you know, the triple V Hanover shows being able to leave in 26 and 4 off the rail and a half. 
like you said, Southland Roulette has tons of tons of gate speed. And I tell you, if you look down the program, every horse in here can can get off the gate. So I mean, I you know I, I there you know I don't know what kind of game plan that these guys are are you know <laughs> going to have, but if they all have if they all have the same one, I still don't think you can turn out perfect bags. Right now, looking at Sassa Hanover, Sassa Hanover uh, finished third in the Breeders' Crown Elimination and then second in the final, uh, both to Divine Caroline. So that's definitely not a uh, not a bad thing at all. And then the horses coming out of the Tarpo Hap at the Meadowlands, going a mile and a quarter, and was only beaten uh, two and three quarter lengths. Of course, losing to uh, Divine Caroline. Well, airs this race definitely sets up to be uh, probably one of the best races for the Phillies all year long, and. Uh, you know, just looking at it, you guys have drawn a great field, and uh, we appreciate you taking time to join us here this evening. Absolutely, anytime. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, it's more from Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter joined by Mike Bozich. And I'll tell you what, Mike, uh, it's a lot of fun having airs on. But I'll tell you what, this race is very, very, very competitive. And uh, I've taken a look at the whole card, and a lot of it looks uh, really competitive as well. Yeah, very competitive card, uh, of course, taught by the Courageous Lady. Now, that's tomorrow night. Now, Mike, you'll be there, uh, and uh, it looks like you're going to be calling the last couple of races while uh, Ayers get some other stuff done, but uh, it's going to be uh, electric. It's going to be fantastic. Three-year-old fillies will be in action, and you might be a little surprised, but uh, I've got a key in that race. Oh, boy. Well, we'll take a look we're, at we're gonna, the, we're gonna, uh, Yeah, we're going to take a look at the pick four, but i I got a key in that race. Oh my gosh! Well, we're gonna we're gonna take a look at the entire pick four sequence. The eighth race is the Philly and Mares Open Handicap, which Perfect Bags won back on Cleveland Trotting Classic night. So uh, I'll tell you what, Aaron Merriman's got a very good horse on the outside in the eight rescue team for trainer Ron Burke, who has won two straight opens at Northfield Park, one from post two and then one from post three. I, I think uh, Mike, you gotta you gotta throw in Yannick Jingra and Tim Tietrich. Oh, certainly, in almost uh, every one of these races. Uh, the way I went this race was, of course, I put in five up front Kelly Joe. Um, you know, uh, first-time Jingra. And, of course, you're going to see a lot of first-time Jingra, first-time Tietrich on a lot of these horses. But uh, up front Kelly Joe does get Jingra. was a nice one or three starts back against the level, uh, a little bit lower. And the last couple times certainly uh, didn't have very good trips. So we'll see if Yannick can put this horse in play. Another horse I really like in that race, Mike, and I'm going to use this horse along with the five and the pick fours, the three, uh, get your armor. And, uh, you know, when you've got guys like Dietrich and Jingros, great drivers as they are, Matt Kikaley in some respects, uh, who's coming back to Northfield Park, um, that are driving horses for the first time, I'm just kind of hoping that maybe the speed gets out of control just a little bit. And three, get your armor. Um, you know, he's a horse that uh, loves to come from behind and has just been missing, finishing second, finishing third. If the speed gets out of control, I think the three has a good shot. Owner, trainer, uh, driver, Sam Shalasi certainly knows this horse. So I'm going three, five to start that pick for him. Like, I went uh, one, eight, and five. I think the one off the rail with Tim Tietrich aboard definitely has a shot. It's coming in from Pocono Downs, who just closed uh, this week and is facing a tough, tough group. However, I think Tim Tietrich off the rail on a half-mile track uh, helps. So I went one, five, eight. Uh, the second leg, which is race number nine, it's a Philly and Mare, non-winners of 800 for start in 2015. And I'll tell you what, Mike, this is, a, uh, this is an interesting race. But I landed on the three. Donna Party is my top selection, uh, I install off Yannick Jingra on, but I'll tell you what, you can't beat the consistency of this horse. And the race last time out jumps off the page at me where uh, Donna party was uh, first came first up, had to go three wide and only missed by a length and a quarter. Yeah. This is a horse that had uh, was three times in a row been the favorite may even be uh, this time, even though for fashion floozy who actually raced at the uh, Harris Philadelphia a little bit uh, last year, took a mark of 52 there. 
for a trainer, Mike Dowdle. But uh, I agree with you. I think Donna Party's a must-use uh, driver, Yannick Shinkra. And, and obviously, this horse can go from on or off the pace. Uh, and uh, I also, in that race, like number seven, uh, Tashia, uh, for uh, driver Tim Tietrich and trainer Devin Miller. The source has been battling similar and now gets the services of Tim Tietrich. Obviously, we'll have to work a little bit of magic coming from post seven, but it looks like he's got a little bit of speed as well. So I went 3-7 there. I went 3-7 as well. The 10th race is the Philly and Mayors non-winners of 600 per start in 2015. A couple of uh, also eligible type conditions, but I landed on the one Little Miss Artist. And on the nine, Cypress Hill Rose. Now, you can never count out post nine at Northfield Park. And, of course, Little Miss Artist is getting some post improvement, facing a little bit easier company. And, of course, Yannick Jangrau picks up the drive. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of with that, too. I mean, looked really good, two starts back. Last start from post-state at, uh, you know, just post-state at Northfield Park is so, so tough. And that horse was going up in class there for driver Mark Edwards, 70-1. to Probably no chance in that particular race. Uh, first time Jingron gets down to the inside. I actually like number six, Mike, Prima Dragon. This is a horse that gets Aaron Merriman back in the bike for trainer Mike Dowdle. Uh, and uh, when Aaron drove, this horse finished a couple of good seconds. One on the lead, one trying to come first over. And Mike Dowdle's been driving this horse the last couple of starts. Uh, last start against uh, a little bit tougher. So I went with 1-6 in that particular event. All right. Time to look at the $120,000 Courageous Lady Stakes for three-year-old Philly Pacers. And Mike Sasa Hanover jumps off the page. But I'll tell you what, you know, Ayers mentioned in the interview that he, you know, he wasn't too thrilled with the post position of perfect bags. I'll tell you what, there is so much speed in this race. That I think Perfect Bags has got a shot. And in the Hannah Handicapping Contest, I actually went with Perfect Bags. Yeah, this is uh, this race is going to be a little strange because you've got a lot of different moving parts in this race. Uh, and as you mentioned before, and as Ayers mentioned, the speed uh, could get away. The horse I went with, and I'm going to key in this race, not Sasa Hanover, I'm going to take a chance and key number five better and better. You get Tim Tietrich, second time Lasix, obviously raced much, much more improved in the Tarport half against the likes of Divine Carolina and Bedroom Confessions, who are not in this particular race. I think five better and better is sitting on a big one here. Uh, hey, look, the Jughead all the way back beat Southwind Roulette and uh, more mostly blue chips. So I'm thinking five better and better has a big shot in here. And I'm going to take a chance and key, for, key her for a cheap ticket. You know what? I'll tell you what, Mike. That's a that's a big thing, you know, going after a price. I, of course, used Sass and Hanover, and I, I had to go with Perfect Bags, and I liked Better and Better for basically the same reasons you did. I'll tell you what. This is this race here is going to shape up to be one of the best races all year long. Granted, Wiggle It, Jiggle It at the Little Brown Jug was probably the uh, the cream of the crop race, but this race here is it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm, I'm probably going to be up in the charters room watching this race. And uh, what we'll do is uh, we will post our pick four tickets on social media through our post time with Mike and Mike uh, Twitter handle. That's right. And that was my nickname, Mike Cheap Ticket. I mean, I, you know, li- listen, I may never win. I'm not the greatest handicapper, but I will always give you a cheap ticket. Now, real quick, I want to shout out to Darren Zacali because last week me and you were right in front of each other. We didn't get the Mike and Mike in the evening crack well i'll tell you what <laughs> yeah i saw the show mike and mike in the morning this morning and i tell you what i get it now well of course i mean everybody's heard of mike and mike in the morning but nobody's heard of mike and mike in the evening but you know what we're doing good mike we're almost up and, and now keep in mind i've only been doing this for a month but we're almost up to 200 facebook likes now which is i mean for us at this point of the game is pretty good i mean obviously it takes a long time for word to get around so we certainly appreciate for those of you that is shared our show on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, We certainly appreciate you doing that, and we urge you to keep doing it because the power of social media um, is uh, kind of a terror to advertising companies because, you know, social media is as good as an advertising company, really, Mike. Yeah, that's the truth. And I'll tell you what, we use social media here at Buffalo all the time. And uh, I use it with our post time with Mike and Mike, even on our Facebook page. So uh, there's plenty of ways to listen. We hope you catch this show either on the archive or on the uh, Apple iTunes store. If you're not uh, listening live, welcome, and uh, we hope everybody has a very happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, we certainly do. And, yeah, this show is on archive, by the way. So, you know, if you don't catch it live, you can always catch any of our archives on blogtalkradio.com. And real quick, Mike, I know we're running dangerously short on time, but uh, prayers to my good friend, my golfing buddy, a longtime judge at uh, Hazel Park, uh, Pat Hall, uh, went through a terrible car wreck, just a, a, a terrible thing. And 
and uh, he, he's in the hospital. So him and Kathy, our prayers are with you. I love you to death, my friend, and you're going to pull through it, and we'll be playing golf next year. And uh, to everybody, a very special happy Thanksgiving, and uh, hug the one you love. Well, this has been Post Time with Mike and Mike. For Mike Bozich, I'm Mike Carter. We'll see you next Thursday with the first post of 7 o'clock.